I'm Kate Daniels. Growing older can have challenges, and particularly for women. So it is so great to have Bonnie Marcus, award-winning entrepreneur and executive coach, join us with her new book, Not Done Yet. Bonnie Marcus, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. You know, I am just so grateful because I think there are many of us who have been waiting for something, and it's this book, having it as a personal tutor, guide, mentor, uh, coach, all all together, this book that has just come out that you've authored, not done yet, how women over 50 regain their confidence and claim workplace power. So critically important. And you know, it always seems to these days come back to the fact that, you know, we're still in a pandemic, but finally getting closer to out of it, that this has been a time to to do some resetting and changing and looking at a way of doing things differently. So I think this timing is really quite ideal. Yeah, it has been a time of, well, we're all super busy balancing a million things, but self-reflection, and really taking a good look at what we want in our lives. Do we have any barriers to what we want? Some things that may perhaps hold us back and figure out our path forward. Now, you have done that for yourself, and it seems, it appears, it feels like you have been successful but have you found around you then that that women at 50 and over have been struggling? Yes. And though I am no longer in the corporate world, um, you know, had a 25-year career that was very successful, I started my coaching business in 2007 specifically to to help professional women uh, really position themselves for success, advance their careers. And I had um, a client, I would say now probably three and a half, four years, three and a half years ago. She was a 58-year-old female attorney who worked in a large tech firm here in Silicon Valley. And she had been like a star performer on the legal team. But then, you know, she was the oldest over time, and she realized that she was being marginalized. She wasn't invited to key meetings. People didn't seek her opinion anymore. And the most dangerous thing was that her workload was redistributed. And that was a concern because... You know, when you don't have a full portfolio, it's certainly much easier to push you out the door. So I was coaching her through that really painful experience. And I realized, I said, this probably is not an isolated thing. Uh, I started to do research about it. Um, and there there are some um, studies about ageism, but very little about gendered ageism, um, except by catalysts. And um, I started to do interviews with women who were in this age demographic to find out their experiences. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is 
you know, it, it just made it just made me so angry. Some of these very, very talented, qualified women who were being diminished and, and pushed out and, and made to feel less than um, because of their age. So that's when I decided to write the book. I wanted to bring more awareness to gendered ageism. And I wanted to give women a voice and the tools to be able to deal with this and continue to have a fulfilling career. So the book is really a great guide and and a roadmap, in a way, of how to face these various um, what mileposts along the way, but you know, if, maybe this sounds so naive, but it it seems so crazy. Like just taking the story that you shared with us about this attorney who had been very successful, as she continues to do the work, is quite capable. Why would they want uh, the higher ups to take away those responsibilities, those cases, uh, clients that she had been working with so well? Well, many workplaces um, are have a, a lot of bias. I mean, the workplace reflects the bias in our society, right? And we have a bias against older people. Um, we feel that they are less competent, uh, don't have the stamina and energy to do their jobs, all of which, all, you know, research has proven to be false. But the workplace has policies and practices that reflect those biases. And um, in, in terms of hiring and promoting and compensating and, and firing, um, and they they have uh, much more energy invested in their younger workers, younger employers, employees. And that's where their energy is. Now, a workplace, you know, a, a company may say, well, this is a highly paid person, and I would rather put more energy into a younger colleague who perhaps isn't compensated as well. There could be that. But what really bothers me and the things that I wanted to bring out in the book, especially for women, as we show visible signs of aging, we are subjected to a different type of bias. We face it earlier than men because of the emphasis on our looks and our, you know, our appearance and we're actually considered to be less valuable, irrelevant. So things have, in one way, improved where women are more in the workforce, but there is that inequity as we move then further up that proverbial ladder, I guess it is, correct? Yeah, well, you know, we still have gender bias, right? We aren't paid equally. Yes. We don't have the same opportunities for sponsorship or uh, for advancement. You know, most organizations are still run by white men, and we don't have the same types of opportunities to move up to assume leadership positions. Now, you know, that changes certainly by industry and by company, 
but we still face gender bias. But what happens is we start to show visible signs of aging. We face the combination of both ageism and gender bias. And that's really what I wanted to bring awareness to in this book because it affects our financial viability, our job security. And let's face it, I mean, we're all living longer. And in many companies, there could be five, six generations working together. People aren't retiring as early as they used to and need and want to work longer. So it's a serious issue for women who have no um, desire to leave the workforce at 55, 60, even 65, and believe that they still have a lot of value to contribute. Um, And the workplace many organizations don't recognize that value. Which, this is um, not to be just discounting of it, but it really makes it feel as though women need to have their own companies and and really support each other in in moving upward. Uh, And there are a lot of women, of course, too, who have been very successful, are very successful in uh, yeah. these leadership roles, not the least of your, yourself and having your your uh, coaching and consulting business. Yes, I mean, we are making some progress uh, towards um, gender equity in the workplace. You know, it's been certainly pushed back a lot by the pandemic because women have suffered so much and, and have... Um, really opted out in some cases, but also being pushed out of the workplace. Um, So we have a lot of ground to make up. But for all the women who have lost their jobs due to the pandemic, it's the women over 50 who will be extremely challenged to find another job. And so that's where the timing of this is so perfect. Not done yet. The book, which gives us so many opportunities to really look at ourselves and start to, uh, well, tell the different story. I think that that's a really interesting and beyond interesting, very basic uh part of what goes on is our story, what we tell ourselves and what we need to say, right? Yeah, I mean, that's a, you know, that's an exercise, a really powerful one that I do with, with my clients. And that is to write down the current story that you tell yourself about yourself. You know, not what you would like it to be, wish it to be, you know, but really what, what is the story you're telling yourself now? Because words really matter. And they form your reality. And so if you have this negative story and you believe it, that you're too old to get another job or too old to get promoted, um, that you no longer have value, that, um, you know, you need to look young and beautiful to be able to be successful, uh, all these kinds of things, if you believe them, then 
it's going to, that story is going to hold you back and perhaps sabotage you. So I say, okay, sit down, write that story, be really honest with yourself about where you are right now, um, and then take a look at it and ask yourself, does this story support me or does it sabotage me? And if it, in fact, sabotages you, then you can write a new story. Write a new story that is going to support your success that that um, will carry you forward to whatever your goal is with a lot more energy and passion. So that does feel like almost maybe the, the most basic, the a really strong first step is to recognize that and to write that story of who we know we are inside of ourselves. Yeah. And I I don't believe that many of us take the time to do that or recognize it. Um, and I think that's an important thing to do. I, our story about ourselves, it changes over time. You know, in different points in, in my life and in my career, I had a whole different sto- story about uh, where I was and... and um, I recognize now, certainly after being a coach, that those stories really um, harmed my my progress and my success at times. So, I've and, and certainly coaching all these years, I've recognized how powerful these stories can be as well. Uh, and many of my clients don't recognize that they're caught up in this. Mm-hmm. You know, you can call it negative self-talk. You can call it, you know, your whatever your story is, your inner critic. But we believe these words as our truth. And we don't realize that uh, we have a lot more to offer that we're holding ourselves back with, with these words and stories. And here is one of the big gifts, the big values of maturing is having then this perspective of being able to share and use that as the the foundation and, and all the the fuel for saying, here's, you know, what I experienced. But you don't yeah. you don't need to take the time to go through all of that here. Get use my experience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well. You know, the first thing we have to do is recognize the value of that. That is the first step is that, wow, these are some of the lessons I've learned, right? Mm -hmm. These are some of my experiences which could help some of my younger colleagues to navigate this work environment to perhaps balance um, our, you know, our family life with with our career career. but we've learned so much and we have so much to offer. We have to first recognize and own that, own the power of our age, own the power of all of our experience and wisdom. And then, yes, uh, recognize that we can share that. We can offer to mentor others. And, and that creates not only visibility and credibility for us in the workplace um more you know more more connections across the organization uh more value 
So I have mentioned, and and because it is in your book, about words, the power of words, the story that we tell ourselves, rewriting what the story is for ourselves. I think that that is so key. What would you say would be then a a second step to work on that uh, we could use, you know, uh, concurrently or um, going forward uh, as, as strengthening our position ourselves? Well, once we write that new story, and and that should be um, in present tense, as if you are already there. Um, so it's not like I want or I will. It's it's I am. You know, I am mm. a published author. I am an executive coach. I you know um, all these things that we then can t- take some positive affirmations from that story and write some positive affirmations that we read out loud, keep visible every day. And research shows that 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 repetitive type of behavior really supports building new neural pathways in our brain. And so then these more positive thoughts become the default rather than the negative. This is so great. It's it's actually kind of catapulting me to some seminars I've done in the past where this was part of the foundation, and it's uh, and I, I think perhaps I've I've incorporated it, but maybe it's not something that's heard a lot. So it's really great to either firstly inform or to remind us of these are the things that we need to be doing for ourselves. True and. Yeah. and- as with much of the advice in the book, it's at any age, right? These are the things that we should be doing for ourselves at any age. A lot of the tips, especially in part two of the book, where I say stop playing small and do what it takes to stay in the game, these are things that you should be doing really your whole career, uh, but it becomes more important as you approach uh, the age of 50 and beyond and you might be more vulnerable. So we need to be more vigilant when we, um, you know, doing some of these things like advocating for yourself and networking and being visible and raising your hand. I mean, certainly these are things we should be doing our whole career. But my message is, hey, if if you haven't been doing it lately or you're feeling irrelevant and pushed into the, the shadows, uh, now is the time to take yourself out. So that kind of makes me think back to the story you shared earlier about the woman um, who is the attorney in Silicon Valley. So she's being, in a way, pushed to the background. What she can do, and we put ourselves in that place, whatever ours is, is to really kind of firmly stand back? You don't necessarily push back, or do you push back? How do you then stand up to that and and uh, just affirm that, wait a minute, that's that's my client, that's my case, I'm, I'm holding it? Right. Um, well, I do think that we need to, um, we, we can't be silent, and we need to address some of these things. Um, and depending on the culture of the organization, relationship with your manager, 
all those things factor in, and I, I go through a number of different scenarios um, in the book. I would say what's really important, kind of the underlying first step here, is um, what I address in the chapter, Declare Your Ambition. And that is having a sit down with your manager and saying that you, um, you want to know how you can best contribute value going forward. So let's sit down and talk about uh, what that looks like for the next five, seven, ten years, whatever, um, because you're committed to doing your best work. And so how can you continue to add value to this organization? That kind of, you know, sets the stage then for um, recognition that you're in it, still in it, and get that kind of commitment and feedback back from your manager about what your career is going to look like from now, from now going forward. So that is the key thing is just not to allow yourself to be ridden over roughshod kind of thing is to really stop, request a meeting, discuss this so that it's observed that, hey, wait a minute. I, you know, I'm, I'm alive, I'm capable, I'm right in the midst of this, I know what's going on kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, the advice in the book, you know, I've reached out to different em- employment attorneys. Um, ev- everybody says if you are really subjected to ongoing ageist um, uh, behavior that you start to document, right? You you reach out to either your manager to address it or HR, and you actually document and say, I want to talk to you about uh, the age ageist um, behavior or comments that I've been receiving. Um, so you have a record of it. If you're let go, um, of course, you, ha- you have different options, but it also, having that documentation helps you to uh, perhaps negotiate um, a better package, a compensation package. But, yeah, don't be steamrolled and know know your rights and make sure that you um, stay vigilant. One of the things that really has come up a lot in conversations with leaders like yourself over, well, over time, but um, but more so recently is the word and the activity of mentorship that seems to be yeah. really key in being able to be uh, strong in the present in our career. It's really important. And I, <laughs> I have a, a chapter on this. I think that it's important to serve as a mentor. You know, you recognize you have value that you can offer to others. And um, it, it positions you as somebody who is an is a ongoing contributor, uh, can offer um, a lot to younger colleagues especially, and to peers, it puts you in a position of respect, credibility. 
while you are serving others. But I also say in that chapter, it's never too late for you to get a mentor. So um, are there other people that you could reach out to who perhaps could offer you advice, who have been able to survive and thrive in the workplace uh, past 50, 60, 65? Um, Are there uh, new skills that you can learn from your younger colleagues because it should be a mutually beneficial relationship. Um, And you can certainly offer your wisdom and skills, and in return, you can learn some new things from your younger colleagues, and that really strengthens the relationship. You know, it's not one way. And even, you know, in the book I say, if there isn't a program for intergenerational, cross-generational mentorship or networking, one way that you can stand out is to offer to uh, facilitate something like this in your organization. You know, that gives you a lot of visibility, and it, and, um, it shows that you are continuing to offer value and shouldn't be pushed out the door. But these are opportunities for you to stand out and create the visibility that, that you need while you're um, continuing to serve your other colleagues in the organization itself. Right. And a way to really feel strong and uh, what feeling able to do this sort of thing uh, before we even started our conversation this morning, you were talking about going out for a run. And I think that that's one of your daily practices, or at least most days of the week, is doing something like that for ourselves. Yes, very, very important. I I mean, I grew up in a family where um, you know, exercise was uh, a really important part of our life. Um, you know, my, my dad had a heart attack when he was 57, and we completely changed our lifestyle. And he was out there running and walking and, and riding his bike every day. And, you know, I was very young, actually. Um, and it just, I incorporated it. I don't know if it's part of my DNA or whatever, but I, that's the way I like to start, to start my day. But, of course, you know, in the research I've done, I, I realized that as you exercise, it's not only for your body, but it stimulates brain activity. And so you're also, um, you're also increasing your cognitive function, and it's great for your whole body. Um, normally we think, oh, it's good you know, for your cholesterol, for your heart, for your, um, more like your cardiac fitness, but exercise um, helps you on, on many levels. And there are other things that I suggest in this book that really help you heal you, right, and, and, and all the positive energy and confidence. One chapter is, you know, hanging out with your girlfriends. Uh, there's research that shows that um, women actually live longer because they have this um, uh, ability to connect and form bonds with other women, especially in times of stress, whereas men have the, the reaction more of fight or flight. But hanging with our girlfriends, research shows that helps you live longer. 
you know. <laughs> um, so why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we do more of that? Um, I talk about meditating. I talk about uh, journaling. I talk about um, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, certainly being physical. But what actually gives you more energy and positivity in your life? And it's time that, that we take the time out to do these things, not only for our health, but our overall, you know, mental well-being, emotional well-being. And those are all the reasons that this book, Not Done Yet, is just such a great tool, if you will, but uh, a roadmap for us to really remind ourselves or just open ourselves up to the way that we can be all of who we know we are and can be in this world. So, Bonnie Marcus, I'm so grateful that you've written this book for us, for one. Let's mention your website because there's such a wealth of information there as well. Uh, yes, my website is bonniemarcusleadership.com. And on the website, you can um, connect with my weekly podcast, Badass Women at Any Age. And each week I interview amazing women who tell their personal journeys to being successful. And that's such an encouragement and a way to learn a, another kind of mentorship. Well, I feel that you are a mentor in your way to us through the book and through having this opportunity to have a conversation this morning. Bonnie Marcus, you're so wonderful. Thank you so greatly. Oh, thank you.